With more decisions on boosters and child vaccines around the corner, today we're talking about the economic recovery here in Indiana, with the debt ceiling now lifted as lawmakers continue to search for answers when it comes to our supply chain. Today we'll talk one-on-one -on -one with Senator Todd Young and U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Plus, more Hoosiers spending more money betting on sports. It's all ahead on this week's edition of In Focus. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Dan Spieler. Today we're talking with Senator Todd Young about everything happening in Congress and the impact on our economy here in Indiana. But first, the latest on the fight against COVID-19 and the effort to get more Americans vaccinated with more boosters approved for more Americans this past week. Here's Washington correspondent Anna Wernicke. We do have a unanimous 19 out of 19 yes vote. The FDA advisory committee voted unanimously Thursday to greenlight the Moderna booster shot. The recommendation applies to people 65 and older and adults who are high risk because of underlying health conditions or where they work. We're going to continue protecting the vaccinated. President Joe Biden says the White House is waiting for final approval from the FDA and CDC to begin distributing the shots to states. If they authorize the boosters, which will be strictly made based on the science. That decision will be based on the science. This will mean all three vaccines will be available for boosters. But after the vote on Thursday, one of the committee members, Dr. Patrick Moore, said the data submitted was not well explained. I just want to explain why I voted yes on it is more gut feeling rather than based on really, truly serious data. Moore said despite his hesitancy, he believes the data is moving in the right direction. We have the vaccine supply. Still, White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Jeff Zients says the administration is confident the process will move forward. We'll be ready to hit the ground running as soon as any additional boosters are authorized. If the FDA and CDC give the green light on the Moderna boosters, Americans could begin to receive those shots as early as next week. In Washington, I'm Anna Warnicke. Back to you. Okay, Alex, uh, Anna, thanks so much. Kristen Escow joining me now. And Kristen, obviously a lot of talk in Washington about the economic recovery as well. Well, that's right, Dan. While we averted a crisis with the debt ceiling, at least for the near future, lawmakers and the Biden administration are still hoping to fix problems with our nation's supply chain. And this week, I sat down one-on-one -on -one with Senator Todd Young to get his thoughts on the impact here in Indiana. The president announcing a new plan that includes keeping two ports in California open 24-7. I know you've spoken out before about inflation. Tell me what you think of the president's plan and does Congress need to take additional action here? Well, there is a significant problem with inflation. I'm hearing it from consumers. Um, I'm hearing it from uh, employers who are trying to uh, source materials so that we can make things as we do here in the state of Indiana. And um, we know what some of the solutions are. Uh, we know that we need uh, to ensure that people are working more hours uh, at the ports. Uh, that is something that finally the administration has been moving forward with and uh, emphasizing is one of the solutions. Uh, we also need to look into changing the current requirements about uh, how long truck drivers can stay on the road. Uh, it makes a great deal of sense uh, to have some sort of regulations pertaining to that. But in a time of what is uh, essentially an economic emergency, we might rethink some of those parameters so that people's prices aren't uh, moving higher. And then the last thing is we need to stop spending trillions of dollars, uh, which will lead to further inflation 
in our economy and, and uh, cause uh, uh, the prices of, of our meat, our gas, and other uh, basics to exceed the increase in wages we're seeing. When it comes to these supply chain issues, some have been critical, some Republicans have been critical of Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who's been on paternity leave. Is that criticism fair in your view? Look, I, I mean, I think that uh, uh, paternity leave is something that as a society we've decided to uh, rally around. Uh, at the same time, I think if um, you know, you're, you're at a top position in government, people expect you to be on the beat during an economic and public health crisis. Recently, another Democrat from Indiana, Senator Joe Donnelly, was nominated as ambassador to the Vatican. You released a statement speaking highly of him. Do you plan to vote to confirm his nomination? I do. I've been able to kick the tires, as it were, over a number of years, serving with Joe Donnelly. Um, he's, he has a strong intellect. Uh, he's public-spirited. Uh, we, of course, have principal disagreements on a range of different issues, but uh, when it comes to uh, this nominee, uh, I think he has what it takes uh, to be effective as our ambassador to the Holy See. I wanted to also ask you about the debt limit. You voted against both the agreement to break the filibuster as well as the increase to the debt limit itself. Now, I know you've said in the past it's the responsibility, in your view, of the party in power to raise the mm -hmm. debt limit. So why vote against that agreement to break the filibuster? Because the Democrats uh, are the party in power. They, indeed, are the ones who, who, who need to uh, take care of raising the debt ceiling. They haven't consulted with the minority party, Republicans, uh, with respect to spending trillions of dollars. And so absent any cooperation on bringing our, our expenditures in line with our federal revenue, uh, then I don't intend to help them spend more money and exacerbate our nation's debt challenges. Are you worried, though, about what could happen if the U.S. defaults on its debts come December? Well, if the Democrats follow precedent and do the right thing and raise the debt ceiling or suspend uh, the debt ceiling, we won't have any problems. And I have full faith uh, that they'll do the public-spirited thing, uh, walk the plank, as it were, and go ahead and raise that debt ceiling. And we'll have more of that interview next week. Meantime, on the other side of the aisle, Congressman Andre Carson this week said, fiscal responsibility means paying what you owe. That's why the House passed a temporary extension of the public debt limit, so our country can meet the financial obligations we have already made. It does not authorize future spending, as some have falsely claimed. Now, this week I also spoke with U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Many people here in Indiana are concerned about inflation. So how would the Build Back Better plan help lower some prices? Yeah, so the thing that's driving inflation is a shortage of certain goods. You know, when there's a shortage of goods, prices go up. And so the, a lot of the investments in Build Back Better are designed to address that. Uh, for example, in, there are investments in Build Back Better for semiconductor manufacturing. The lack of semiconductors is what is causing rising car prices, rising rental car prices. Um, investments in Build Back Better will improve our nation's ports and roads and bridges and airports. So again, a lot, you know, the congestion at the ports is directly related to increased prices. Um, and then finally, investments in making workers productive like apprenticeships and job training and career and technical education, which are all the investments in Build Back Better, that will help with inflation. Anything that improves Americans' competitiveness, 
our ability to make things in America will make us more productive and will help bring down inflation. The human infrastructure bill includes a corporate tax increase to help pay for the programs under that bill. How do you ensure, though, that that tax increase would not be passed on to the consumer through an increase in prices? You know, um, the American tax system has so many loopholes that last year we had many American companies, some of the largest and most profitable, that paid zero in federal taxes. And that's just not right. And by the way, it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. So what the president is saying is, of course, we want businesses to be profitable and competitive. We don't want to raise taxes so high that they're not. But at some point, you know, what's fair is fair. And you know, that's what this is designed to do. And then if we use that revenue to make these smart investments in broadband, in roads and bridges and airports, well, then all America benefits. I also wanted to ask you about the supply chain issue. As you mentioned earlier, the president announcing this week a plan that includes keeping two of California's ports open. So how soon could people here in Indiana start to see prices go back down? Um, I wish I had a crystal ball to give you a date. What I do know is yesterday's announcement was a big one and it will help. And Dan will have more of those interviews on our website and again with Senator Todd Young next week, including his thoughts on how Congress should proceed when it comes to investigating the situation in Afghanistan. All right, Kristen Eskow with us this week. Kristen, thank you so much. Coming up next on this week's edition of In Focus, we'll talk more with our panel about former Senator Joe Donnelly's new role and the political fallout it could bring here in the Hoosier State. And later, more Hoosiers spending more money betting on sports. Kristen takes a closer look at the impact here in Indiana coming up. All right, let's bring in our panel now. With us on Zoom today, UND political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson and 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel. And here in studio with us, former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston, and Importantville's Adam Wren, a national politics feature correspondent for Insider. Laura, I'll start with you. More news on boosters this past week. We've certainly made progress uh, fighting the virus here in recent weeks. We've also been talking about this economic recovery today. You saw our interview with Senator Young earlier. How important is it to the Biden administration that we also see progress soon on jobs numbers and on this supply, this supply chain issue that we've been facing? That's vital because that's something that people see right away, particularly with the supply chain issue. And no one's immune to it. You've gone to a store, you've placed an order and people say, oh, we're sorry, we're backed up. We aren't able to get what we need, especially when people see that and they recognize, oh, gosh, this is something that's directly impacting me. Same with consumer price index. If the boosters will apply to some people um, for those that didn't want them in the first place or maybe still are unvaccinated, it doesn't directly apply in the same way. But I think this is one of those things where for the administration, um, it's an opportunity for success or failure, but it's a really important opportunity to connect with people because they see this directly impacting their lives. And this is something that they are going to judge the administration on whether or not it's a success or ultimately a failure either way. Tony, what about this supply chain issue? And do you join uh, those who've been critical of the transportation secretary on that issue? A lot's been made of that this week. 
I, I do. Um, you know, the buck's got to stop somewhere. It's got to stop with Joe Biden and his cabinet secretary on transportation, which is Pete Buttigieg. I don't blame him for taking time off for his family. That's great. Um, hopefully everybody can do that. But you got when you're at a position like that, you've got to either be able to juggle responsibilities or you've got to have people under you that can take uh, take those responsibilities on uh, and make sure that we're not running into these problems. There's 57 ships, cargo ships that are stuck uh, at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach and can't get in to dock to unload. Then you've got um, problems with not having enough truckers, with uh, dock workers. You've got unemployment soaring. You've got inflation soaring. So all of these problems for the Biden administration are real. Um, and there, the, res the, the result of those are his terribly sinking poll numbers. Uh, over 60% of independents from a Quinnipiac poll uh, are, are disapprove of him and over 50% don't think he's honest. So the, the okay. problems are mounting for the Biden administration okay. and I don't see them getting a handle on it. Robin, your response to that, I know different polls have shown different things, but obviously uh, the Biden administration has to be worried about some of those numbers. Well, sure they are. But I mean, one number they're happy about is unemployment's going down. I don't know where Tony's getting those numbers, but the, the fact percentage, that yeah, the percentage is going down. The there are a lot of people right? and we feel for those people that are out of work. But also we've come through a pandemic. Our markets are now opening. This is a global economy and we have to watch out what's going on in Shanghai and Savannah as much as Long Beach and L.A. The fact of the matter is, is that we have people that are going to work longer hours. We're going to open those places 24 hours a day. But why? Because our economy is revving back up after a worldwide pandemic. Let's talk more about Secretary Buttigieg here. You covered his campaign, Adam, when he ran for president. Of course, he's on paternity leave now, as Tony mentioned. His new documentary coming out soon. Some wonder if he still has his eyes on another national campaign down the road. But you also have some new reporting this week on the work schedule that he has been keeping in recent days. That's right. We know that he's been on paternity leave, paid leave, uh, since the middle of August. He's been attending you know, major meetings. Meetings, mission critical meetings. You know, he has a bureaucracy of 55,000 employees that work for him that have been working on the supply chain issue. And really, the White House says um, that it's really important for people to take time to be with their their family. And so, Buttigieg probably would have gotten in trouble had he not taken uh, leave uh, by Joe Biden. So um, it'll be interesting to watch. They've got a commission. They've, they're opening up the ports for 24 hours a day. So. Um, you know, it sounds like they could have this solved by Christmas time. Let's see what happens. Say, speaking of South Bend Democrats, uh, you broke the news last week that former Senator Joe Donnelly was being nominated to be ambassador uh, to the Vatican. We asked Senator Young about that as well today. It's big news, but it could also leave Democrats here uh, with a big hole in their plans for future statewide races. Yeah, I mean, Donnelly was being groomed as a potential gubernatorial candidate for 2024. Um, as it turns out Nancy Pelosi could soon retire before the end of his term and it's possible that you know he, he could just be keeping that uh, that Vatican seat warm for her to take over as ambassador and he could still come back uh, before 2024 to be the gubernatorial nominee. Robin, what do you think? Is this a concern for Democrats in terms of having a bench, building a bench for future races like that race for governor? Well, first off, the fact that Joe Donnelly was appointed by the president speaks well of him. Um, the filing deadline is not until February of 24. There's a long a time. A lot, a lot can happen, <laughs> even in a oh, in focus week, let alone what right. goes on in a, in a political world. So I've heard that slogan. I know you. Somewhere. That's right. Uh, his campaign, the hard to run a campaign from uh, from Rome, perhaps. It is, but it also <laughs> endears you to a lot of people that are Catholic here in, in Indiana.
All right. Meantime, uh, when it comes to campaign cash, Tony, uh, uh, Senator Young certainly uh, sitting on a, a pretty big war chest. But you also had former President Trump this past week and talking about the midterms saying uh, if we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, in his words, Republicans won't be voting in 22 and 24. Is that really a, a wise approach for he and his party to try and convince GOP voters not to vote? I don't think he's telling them not to vote. I think he's trying to make sure there's a clear emphasis on fixing the voter integrity uh, issues that, that were present in 2020. Um, as far as Senator Young, uh, strong war chest, he won't have any problems, won't have a primary opponent, won't have any problems in, in the general election. And uh, what I'd like to see all Republicans do is take on this issue. Now that we know we're gonna have a good year in 2022, we should unless something drastically changes in the next year. But you've really got to take on what's happening at the national level with the administration because they're mishandling of all these issues. They're destabilizing the country. They're, they're creating a crisis. They're demoralizing the public. And then they're trying to create a new normal. All of that is behind, what's behind that is a Marxist philosophy, a Marxist ideology. And Republicans need to stand up and start talking about that because all these things don't just happen by chance. You've got to connect the dots. Okay. You've got to make the case to the American public. Okay. Uh, Robin, your reaction to that and also to what the former president said uh, about maybe Republicans won't show up to vote. Well, he laid down a hammer. Let's see if, if people follow his, his uh, recommendation. I'd love it. Stay home if you, if you don't want to participate. Um, I don't know what Tony's talking about, about Marxists. We're trying to get $6.6 .6 billion back to Indiana. So it makes a difference on roads and jobs and airports and rebuilding the infrastructure of our state. Places like Columbus would love it. Ulytic would love it. Lisbon would love it. So there are places that would love to see some of that money come back here. It's far from Marxist. And if it is, I'd question anybody. If they want to give it back, then give it back to other cities in the state. Laura, how do you see the overall landscape playing out here ahead of the 2022 midterms? Well, it's going to be really interesting. I, one of the things I want to talk about later is um, people that are retiring in our state legislature because that gives great open seats. But uh, we mentioned Todd Young with an incredible war chest, should probably be relatively easy reelection. But we're also coming up to the congressional midterms where typically the president and his party are punished. So the questions of voter turnout, things that um, President former President Trump have said, and um, who's ultimately going to show up, who's going to run, I think will be really interesting as we're basically in that middle part between the last presidential election and then um, smack in the middle before the next congressional. Right. And Adam, when it comes down to it, uh, is the midterm going to come down to where the economy is and where we are with this pandemic? Is that what truly matters to voters here? Yeah. I mean, I think kitchen table issues, um, if you don't have the presents that you've ordered by Christmas, that's uh, a real sort of material impact that you feel in your sure. life. Um, you know, inflation, gas prices, et cetera. I think those, those could be issues that are difficult for okay. Democrats to overcome. All right. Our thanks to the panel. They'll be back here in a few minutes for winners and losers. Coming up next, more Hoosiers winning and losing, spending money betting on sports. We'll take a look at the impact here in the Hoosier State next. Welcome back. New data from the Indiana Gaming Commission shows sports betting is on the rise in Indiana. Wagers are up significantly compared to this time last year, especially online. So we wanted to know why. Once again, here's State House reporter Kristen Eskow. In the midst of football season, big wins in Indiana don't just happen on the field. They're also found at businesses like these, where Hoosiers are gambling on this week's games. I found out that the games really doesn't mean anything unless you got a little bit on it. It's a little bit exciting. 
At Winner's Circle in downtown Indy, the general manager says sports betting has become at least half of the business. In September, Winner's Circle saw a 25% increase in sports betting wagers alone compared to September 2020. The restrictions for COVID have lessened some, and so we're able to operate at a fuller capacity. We also have more kiosks up and going. We have more ticket writers up and going. Data from the Indiana Gaming Commission shows some of the statewide gains in sports gambling. September of this year saw a slight increase in in-person wagers and an 85% increase in wagers placed online, compared to the same month last year. Sports wagering tax revenue collected by the state more than doubled year over year for the month of September. It's exploded. I mean, you know, it, we went live two years ago with it, and everybody kind of was jumping in and getting their feet wet. And then the mobile app started to hit. Experts say sports betting isn't just growing here at Winter's Circle in downtown Indy. It's becoming more and more popular all over Indiana, both in person and online. The sports gaming businesses have spent a lot of time and effort and money to try to you know, market themselves to consumers. So I think there's probably a growing consumer awareness. Nathaniel Grow of the IU Kelly School of Business says he expects the rise in sports betting to continue, especially online. But given the pandemic and given the ease of just firing up an app on your cell phone and placing a bet, I think that's probably where the, the bulk of the future growth is. Growth that many consider a game changer for the gambling industry. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Escal. All right, Kristen, thanks. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Tony, I'll start with you and uh, a special guest, it appears you have with sure, you. Sure, yeah. My winner is Captain Kirk over my... Right shoulder, William Shatner went into space at the age of 90 on a Blue Origin flight and is also in Indiana this weekend. So that's my winner, Captain All right. Kirk William Shatner. How about that, Laura? Top. Well, my winners and losers, we're going to have 10 people retiring or leaving from the state legislature. So that means these are open seats. They're going to be highly competitive. And a lot of times we worry there's not maybe enough turnover in the General Assembly. So this is certainly an opportunity coming up in the next election cycle. Yeah, no doubt. Robin? Tony, you're the winner. That was a, that's a great one. Uh, the loser has got to be John Gruden. I mean, could you say anything more about women, about, about uh, uh, being homophobic, being racist? I'm glad he's gone. Goodbye. Out of a job now. Adam. Uh, winners are viewers at the Heartland Film Festival this Sunday who get to go inside a political campaign with the Mayor Pete documentary. Uh, loser is Mike Braun, a fellow Catholic who uh, you know hasn't really said anything in support of his of his fellow Hoosier um, Joe Donnelly for his ambassadorship to the Vatican. Who he ran against, of course, back in 2018. All right, our thanks to the panel. Our thanks to you for watching. Our thanks to Captain Kirk. We'll see you again next weekend here on In Focus.